Amen. Thank you, team. All right. Crow, you did good on the drums. That's Crow's first time playing drums. Well, good morning. My name's Matt. I'm on the team here at Victory Point. And uh, what a great, beautiful fall day this is. Could really use some rain. You know, I hope we get some rain. But uh, man, I love the fall. I love everything about the fall. Football, deer hunting. Um, Anybody been apple picking yet? kind of a fun thing to do, right? I don't really enjoy picking apples anymore. I just like the stuff that you eat that have apples in them and cider and things like that. But if you want me to go apple picking, Tori, I will go. But um, yes, so uh, anybody, uh, anybody run the park to park race yesterday? Where are you guys? You guys inspire me. Way to go. Whether you ran the 5k or the half marathon, good job. Way to be out there running. Hey, I just want to begin this morning by sharing a story. And it's a story that I heard uh, or read, actually, um, from a pastor, J.D. Greer. I know that's one of Crozier's favorite guys. And, but he, I think, heard it from a guy named Craig Groeschel, who he probably heard it from somebody else, because there's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes sa- t- says that, right? I mean, it's just the same old stuff. So, um, so here's how the story goes. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it's a good story. It's a story about a little bird, okay? Picture a little bird in your mind. It was a little bird who got a late start heading south for the winter. Such a late start that as he started to fly south, he encountered a a nasty storm, a a snowstorm, an ice storm, if you will, and ice began to form on his wings so much so that he couldn't fly and he crashed, crashed into the earth. He he, he survived the crash, but uh, he couldn't get back into the air. And he's thinking like, great, I'm going to freeze to death. Well, suddenly a cow comes along and poops on him. I didn't say it was like a clean story. Like it, a cow comes along and, and, and poops on him, cow pie. And at first the little bird thinks, man, things have gone from bad to worse. Okay? But then something happens. The manure begins to warm him. Begins to thaw out his wings. And he can wiggle his wings. And he can start to flap his wings. And he's so excited that uh, he starts chirping, you know, because he's a happy bird now, which attracts the attention of a cat who comes along and eats him. I didn't say it was a happy story either. It's kind of a sad story. But why do I share this story? Well, I, I share it for three reasons. I think there's three life lessons in this story about the bird and the cow and the cat. Um, number one is this. Not everyone who drops manure on you is your enemy, Okay. Number two life lesson in this story, not everyone who digs you out is always your friend. And number three, when you're in manure, sometimes it's helpful just to keep your little chirper shut and to wait it out because God may be up to something awesome. He may be up to something awesome even in the manure of life. So there's the message for today. Okay, let's pray and go home. Yeah, yeah, that's all you're going to remember. Just like last week, all you remembered was the story of Carson King. Like, but is that all you remember? That's all you remember. So t- today I want to look at um, a spe- specific psalm, Psalm 91. So if you've been hanging out at Victory Point at all, you know that we're in a series called Devoted to the Word of God. 
coming from Acts 2.42, where we get this description of the, the early church, the fellowship of the early believers, and it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to breaking of the bread, and to prayer. And uh, we just paused on that first one in this series, like, we want to be devoted to the Word of God, so much so that we launched a church-wide Bible reading plan. And uh, we're inviting all of you to, to read along with the same scriptures every day, six days a week. You can ask for a card that kind of gives you the scriptures for the day. It looks like this. You can pick one up at the welcome table on your way out. You can follow along electronically online on our website, victorypoint.org, our Facebook page. Um, and uh, I want to look at Tuesday's reading. You know, if you traveled along in our Victory Point Bible reading plan on Tuesday of this week, we were in Psalm 91. Now, just a, a little bit of observation about Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is one of the most popular psalms. Um, it's uh, one of the most quoted psalms in the scriptures. Like, even the devil quotes Psalm 91 in his temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. So it's a very, you know, often quoted psalm. Um, it's one of the most memorized psalms. It's a psalm that, that is all about the promise of God's protection in our life. Martin Luther, who was a reformer and theologian, he described Psalm 91 like this. He said, it's the sparkling jewel of the whole Psalms, of the whole Psalter. It's the sparkling jewel of all the Psalms. We don't know who the author is. Uh, some thinkers believe that maybe Moses was the author of this psalm. Others think, you know, maybe David. We're not sure. It doesn't really give a lot of reference in this psalm as to like when in history, you know, it's referring to. So it could be Moses. It could be David. Um, all we know is Psalm 91 is a psalm that has been beloved by believers for 3,000 years. So we're going to look at that today. And before we get into it, um, what we're doing, at least in this series, is just reminding ourselves of what's true every time we open this book, whether on our own or together as family. So we're going to recite a, just a quick Bible litany, okay? So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to hold it up. If you have a Bible app that you have the psalm on, you know, hold that up or just kind of hold up your hand and let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is the sword of the Spirit. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Devil, I'm armed and should be considered dangerous. Psalm 91. I just want to work through this. Uh, just, I'm going to read a couple of verses at a time, make a few observations, and then we'll move on from there. So Psalm 91 begins like this. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Just, just draw attention to those two words real quick. Shelter, shadow. I mean, those both imply closeness. They're, they're images of closeness, implying that you are right next to God. That's how this psalm starts, with this, with this image like of, of nearness to God. I mean, un, think about a shadow. Understand that a shadow is a beautiful and a welcome thing to someone whose life exists in the heat of the desert, in the heat of the wilderness. Like a shadow is a big deal, and a shadow is a very good thing and an important thing. A shadow implies that there is something or 
someone standing between you and that which seeks to burn you. To be in the shadow of God means standing in the protection of God, safe. Like, like, like for instance, like a child, you know, when a, a little child hides behind their parents and kind of peeks out around the, the, their legs. I mean, it's, it's to be per, that sort of protection. And I love how the pronouns are, you know, this is my refuge. God is my fortress. It's very personal. The psalmist continues. Surely... He will save you from the fowler's snare and from deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. The fowler, you know, the the protection from those who are trying to hurt you. Pestilence, those are those random diseases. You know, so so this psalm is reminding us and implying that we, in, in the refuge, in the shadow of God, we are protected from both those who intentionally seek to harm us and just the random nature of harm in a broken, fallen world. God will, will put us, I love this imagery, under his wings. He will put us under his wings. And it, and it makes me think of, uh, I don't know when this happened, um, but I, it was a long time ago because I remember this was an illustration in youth ministry resource books that I had back in the 90s. But like, so let's say 20, 30 years ago when, when there was like a wildfire, a wildfire in Yellowstone National Park. Okay, and um, there's this story told of after the devastation of the wildfire, like some firefighters were walking through, just observing all the destruction, and they came upon this stump. Maybe you remember reading this, maybe it made the news, Um, came upon this stump, and here's a bird, like a, a, a bird just sitting on this stump as if nothing happened. I mean, obviously dead and charred and burned, but, but kind of whole, just sitting there. And uh, so one of the fireworkers just kind of knocked it over and discovered underneath its wings were, were three baby birds alive. And um, it's this picture that I think of when, when I read this passage um, of God's protection over us. That, that this mother bird had protected her babies from the fire by taking the fire in their place. And, uh, and that's even true to the... You know, in the the Hebrew language of this psalm, like the the imagery of that that bird, the the mother bird with, you know, the wings and and protection, it's a a feminine imagery of God in the scriptures. You know, there's a a tenderness about God that can only be understood and reflected in a mother's love, you know, which is true of God because we're created in his image, male and female, and there's that side, there's that tenderness, there's that protection of God. Then verses five through seven. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Then continuing in, in verse eight. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, if you say, The Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he, listen, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike a foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample on the great lion and the serpent. 
I mean, just that, that imagery, that, that language, that power of, of Psalm 91. Like, it's definitely a psalm of deep protection. So much so that, that God's angels will guard over you and you will not even stub your toe. And you'll be able to trample the lion and the snake and anything that, that is dangerous. And then we get to verse 14. There, there's this shift that happens in verse 14. You know, up to this point, the psalmist has been talking. Now God speaks. God speaks. Because he, this, talking about the psalmist, you know, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The Lord speaks. And in, in, in the word, when, when, the, when he uses the word love there, you know, because he loves me. In, in the Hebrew language, that really implies you know, something really powerful, like zeal or passion or deep longing. It would be the difference between saying, I love you and I'm in love with you. I mean, it's that sort of implication. Like because the, the Lord says, because he is totally in love with me, I will be his source, his refuge, his hope. I will deliver him. Now you can see having traveled through the first 16 or the, the 16 verses of Psalm 91 you can see why this is a go-to psalm this is a go-to psalm for so many people um, you, you can see why this is a go-to psalm that people reach for in times of need and in times of protection this is the this to be honest this is the psalm that that I prayed most days, I tried to do it daily, uh, for my daughter, JC, when she was on her world race for nine months. I, I would claim the protection of this psalm over her life, especially when she was in Peru and there's snakes and things like that, because this says you can stomp on the snakes and walk on them. And so I just, I, I prayed that over her. It, it's such a beautiful, powerful psalm. It's a great psalm. Excuse me. But here's my question. What do you do with this psalm when it doesn't feel like you're experiencing the protection that it promises? Because that happens. What do you do with this psalm, with these promises, with this imagery, when it doesn't feel like you're experiencing all the protection that it promises? I mean, verses 9 and 10, like if we go back to verses 9 and 10, it says this, if you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. So what about when harm does overtake us? What, what are we to think when disaster does show up at my tent? How am I to understand this psalm then? Because if I'm, not, if I'm just reading it on the surface it kind of feels and seems like it's saying that the psalmist is saying, if I trust in God, nothing bad will happen. If I trust in God, nothing bad will happen to me. My life will go smoothly. And therefore, if my life is not going smoothly, does that mean I'm not trusting God? I mean, is that what this psalm is all about? It says, it says my guardian angel will protect me from stubbing my toe. Well, what about when I stub my toe? And worse, does that mean my guardian angel like is taking a break in the restroom? You know, what's going on? What about when it feels like the guardian angel protected me but not that person over there? 
I mean, you only have to wake up every morning and read the news and read about like tragic things and accidents, you know, in our midst that are happening. Like, like where's the guardian angel then? Obviously, you, you know this, I know this. Obviously, this psalm isn't some formula. It isn't some formula for like an insurance protection policy that, that we sign on to and then, you know, we'll be protected from all trouble. I mean, the, the psalm itself reminds us of that. Like, I'm going to go back to, uh, whoop, I went too far. Um, verse 15, you know, this is God speaking at the end of the psalm. You know, because he loves me, I will rescue him. I will protect him. He acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. So right there, we know that this isn't a psalm, like that is a formula that is a protection policy from all trouble. God says, I will be with you in trouble. There have been and there will be times, you've experienced it, I've experienced it, when, when you feel like you're, you're trusting God, you're living a life of trust in God, but bad things still happen. Bad things still happen. That, that's, that, there's a book about that in the Bible called the book of Job. That's a whole book about that. That's a whole book about a guy named Job who was righteous, and yet he was tested. And, and he seemed to experience all the things this psalm says would be protected from. But he experienced all of them. They happened. Bad stuff happened. And his friends are telling him, like, like you must not be trusting God. You must not be trusting God. And, and Job's like, I am. I am trusting God. And then finally God speaks and like, all of you, you don't understand things the way I, I see things, you know. And, and he, he, he declares Job is righteous. Just because you have trouble in life is not an indicator that you're not trusting God or that God is absent. I mean, Jesus even reminded us this in John 16, 33. He said, man, I, I've told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. Then he says this, in this world you will have trouble. He doesn't say you might, he says you will. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Psalm 91, it's a great psalm. I love this psalm. It, it, it kind of feels like it's protection from trouble, but it's also a reminder that God's with us in trouble. There's this both and tension sort of existing in it. So what do we do with this psalm? How do we experience the fulfillment of this song in our lives when we simultaneously are trusting God as our refuge, yet at the same time, we still seem to be experiencing trouble? How, do we, how are we to understand that? And rather than try to explain that this morning, I, I just instead would rather show it to you in action. And so uh, I'm gonna invite Jill Lehman to come on up forward and join me on this platform. Can you give Jill, some encouragement to join me up here. Hello, Jill. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to take this. Why don't you sit there? I'm going to sit here. I don't know if everyone here knows Jill or not. Um, so I'm going to ask Jill just uh, if you'd begin by just uh, telling us who you are. Uh, how long have you been around Victory Point, a part of this family? And uh, like, in what ways are you involved in this, in this church family? Um, I think I've been coming here. Hold for... it real close, remember? Oh. There you go. I don't want to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been going here for maybe 15 plus years. Um, I serve for the kids' zone. And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> 
And uh, I do a lot of volunteering for Hand to Hand, and mm -hmm. I mentor a student, Kids Hope. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of made a lot of friends through that. Yeah, and you made a lot of friends here today, like cheering for each ministry. So, wow. Well, to yeah. be way to be represented. They're all blessings. Everyone should do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you live in Hudsonville, mm -hmm. and... Um, so Jill, like, uh, just for fun, like I didn't tell her I was going to ask these kinds of questions, but just for fun, like if, if we were to go out to your car and turn on the car, like where would the radio station be? Like what, what are you listening to right now in your car? And be honest. I don't really listen to the radio. I oh. have my music on my phone. Okay. So there's newsboys and there's like that yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. Very good. Mm -hmm. And what do you like to do for fun? Like what's a hobby of yours that, that you have that brings um, you joy? I like to crochet, make gifts, and give it to people, and that yes. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, if you, I have camouflage slippers from Jill <laughs> that I keep in my office. So the winter, you got some too, and I put them on. They're very, very, very comfortable. Yeah, that's good. And um, I understand too, like uh, you, you've been to some Tigers games, and you've become a Detroit Tigers fan, mm -hmm. and now becoming possibly a Detroit Lions fan. That's Is a that tough right? one. It's tough. Yeah, I just yeah. want you to understand, Jill knows suffering. Okay, she understands <laughs> suffering. She's been exposed to suffering, and we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, so, Jill, here's where I want to talk about first, um, and it has nothing to do right now with Psalm 91, but we're in this series called Devoted, Devoted to the Word of God. So I don't know if it was about a month or so ago, I was visiting you, and uh, in the course of our conversation, you shared with me, revealed, you know, just kind of haphazardly and nonchalantly uh, about a practice that you have or a discipline that you have, um, a, a way that you engage with or ex express devotion to the Word of God. And I would love for these guys to hear that. So can you just tell us about this practice? What is it that you do? How long have you been doing it? And like, how'd that get started? Well, it started... You know, like in college, I kind of struggled, and I had to learn, like, some disciplines on how to study, and because I really wanted to do well. Um, so I just began, like, writing my chapters, like, where the bold print was, and then I would make them into flashcards, so lots of writing. Mm -hmm. I'd rewrite my notes every day, and, but anyway, so then, you know, after I was through college, and, you know, i reading my Bible, and I'm just feeling like I'm sidetracked, or just not getting it, just not interacting the way I should. So then I thought, well, in college I wrote my textbooks. So what better textbook to write than, than the Word of God? So I just started writing in Genesis through Revelations. <laughs> so, so how long ago was that when you started that practice, would you say? Probably about 2005, 6, 7, somewhere in there. Okay, you just started at Genesis 1 and started mm -hmm. writing the Bible out in your own hand. Mm -hmm. And did you get all the way through the Bible? I did, yes. How long did that take? Years. Years. <laughs> a long time, yeah. long and time. What did you do once you finished? I was depressed because uh -huh. my journey was done. Uh -huh. And I just kind of sat there for, I don't know, maybe a week and just was like feeling lost because it was such an exciting, incredible journey to be on. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was amazing. And then I got up one morning and said, well, that's just stupid. Why not just start over? So I did. So you've started yes. over. We, we've, I actually had her bring some of her notebooks. Like, these things are heavy. These are college ruled, too, so you know they're really narrow. But, like, 
and we have a slide. I took a picture of it this morning and put it up. Like you could put those up. Like so, we have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. I mean, Ruth, Samuel's Kings. I mean, we we have like from Genesis to Second Kings represented right here, and and you could see like what that looks like. I love. I, I chose this one and took a picture of it um, in verse six of Deuteronomy thirty-one. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. And do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. I mean, just like you're, you're hiding the word of God in your heart in such a unique way. And I'm just too, super inspired by this. Um, <laughs> like I've never met anyone who's done this before. And so like I wanted you guys to hear that from Jill this morning as we talk about what does it look like to be devoted to the word of God? Here's one way it looks. It, it looks for Jill is uh, she's taking the scripture very seriously. And, and so you told me now, like, you're starting to maybe go through the Gospels and you're writing out all the red letters, mm-hmm. you know, and just yep. all the words of Jesus, you know, in yep. one place. That's just powerful. So let's segue then. Um, yeah, if you want to applaud, you, you can do that. I, I want to get to Psalm 91, but I, I think it would be helpful for people to have just a little bit of context of the journey you're on. I mean, we're... we're we're all, in diff- we're all on journeys you know, that include challenges and trouble. Um, you're, you're not unique to that. And uh, you know, people, like, they probably maybe see you around Victory Point. They may not like, know you personally, but they see, like, man, she's always carrying this bag, and sometimes there's this little tube going out of it. Like, uh, you're dealing with something very significant physically in, in your health world. And uh, tell us a little bit about what, what's going on and, and when that started and what that means for your life. Um, the week of Labor Day of 2013, I thought I had the flu. I was just not feeling good, and but I was real busy with work, and I was busy with canning, and so I ignored it and just kept going because I had to finish that canning, and I had to, you know, get these things done. And, and then I was on call um, the night before Labor Day, and there was two cases, and I got through one of them, and then I just became really, really ill. So I went home, and which I should have went to the ER, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I had to go home. It was the flu. <laughs> so then I, the next morning, I was brought into the ER, and they, I had pancreatitis, which was awful. <laughs> um, spent two weeks in the hospital getting over that had my gallbladder removed because that was the source of the pancreatitis and and that just never got better I just kept throwing up and I just kept feeling sick and I just for four months I was going to specialists I didn't know what it was but I after four months was diagnosed with a disease called gastroparesis which means that your stomach is paralyzed so you can't eat you can't really drink a lot you, you do, but you throw up, and it just feels like having the flu 24-7. Hmm. So the only thing you can do is learn to live with it because there's no cure. So, I mean, until God sends my miracle, I'm still believing. You are. <laughs> I am believing. You, you bet. <laughs> so in the meantime, like, you find nourishment through a, a feeding tube, mm-hmm. right? Which yep. is a big battle, always getting infected and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. For, for how many years you've been living this way? Uh, January uh, 2017 is when they placed the first feeding tube. And, mm-hmm. yep. and yet here's a woman uh, I, I rarely ever hear complain. I, I rarely ever like 
see you. Um, I know you get down. I know it's not easy, but um, uh, you're such a picture to me of someone who like um, clings to God's promises, you know, writes them down and um, believes them and applies them to your life like in such a powerful way because, uh, you know, just be, you know, we read Psalm 91 and it, and it sounds like, like all this protection from all these things and yet you, you're experiencing, you know, battle in your life, you know, physically, uh, family, um, like, like even like your dad, like your, your dad just, you know, he just passed away, right? How long ago was that? Uh, May 7. Yeah. And you're still moving through that. that that's tough. I know it's tough. And, um, and that brings me to today's psalm. Um, so it was like a few weeks ago. I, I'm reading ahead, you know, to figure out what I want to preach on. And, and so I'd read Psalm 91. And I think it was almost to that day that you sent me a text. And you, were, you shared an experience you had. Um, out, like you were outside because you, you connect with God through nature. And you had this experience that you shared with me. Uh, and so share that experience first, and then I'll share how the story unfolded after that. Yeah. Well, I was outside doing my Bible by my table out there, and, and I do, I really connect with nature. Like, if God sends in my path, like, even a skunk, I'm thinking, that's really cute, but <laughs> keep it away from me. But, but like a hawk or any type of animal, any type of bug, I do run from some, but like mm-hmm. I, they're all gods, and they're all amazing in, in, in a way, and you know, like seeing the deer in my path, and I even hit one, that was not fun, God, but anyway, so, <laughs> but that's how I truly connect, and I, I was outside, and it was a Saturday morning, and I was just writing my Bible, and doing my thing, and this presence of my dad came over me, like I could almost smell him, and I miss him, so I began to cry, and all of a sudden I just looked up, and there was this monarch butterfly, and he, he was just flying all around me and over me and hovered over me, and I just sat there mesmerized because, you know, that is God, and and just, you know, it, it was about five minutes. It just, I mean, it even came right into my face, like, I kind of, but it was it was an amazing moment, and I and I went inside, and you know, and then I realized, you know, my, my grief for my dad and my tears, I welcome them because it means that God gave me the very best. So mm-hmm. I just went inside and I cried and prayed and thanked God and praised his name because that was amazing that mm-hmm. he sent me that little, you know, I'm not like, you know, some people feel like, you know, butterflies and birds and things are visitors from your loved one from heaven, but I, I don't feel that way. I, I felt like that was God. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning, you had another animal experience. Well, Quick, tell us about yeah. that one. <laughs> so I, I kind of made friends with my little neighborhood animals. <laughs> and so, yeah, the next morning, I, I was emptying my trash. It was about 6 o'clock, so it was still dark. And um, I, I brought the trash to the little dumpster, and this little critter kind of scurried up to me and had its little paw on my foot. And, I assumed it was the neighborhood cat, so I was not even looking or thinking, just reached down to pet him. And just before my hand reached him, I looked, and it was an opossum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I screamed, and it ran, and I got in the house, and I sat down with my heart pounding, my near-death experience. I started laughing and said, thank you, God, because that was really funny, but, yeah, not so funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So and God has a sense of humor. <laughs> and that's the story you texted me, like the, the, with the butterfly and that. And that's when I texted back to you, like, you know, Jill, I was just reading in Psalm 91. Isn't that cool how like, like whatever you're reading each day, like God brings an opportunity to apply it, you know, in your life or someone's life. And, and I said, like, your story of the butterfly makes me think of, of Psalm 91, verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. And that led to you like going to Psalm 91. And um, Psalm 91 has really been ministering to you. Can you just share a word or two about like just how this psalm has been ministering to you ever since? Yeah, just that I know that I'm under his shelter. I'm under his wings. That's kind of what the butterfly kind of meant. And, um, you know, the different things like a lot of times in the night, is when I'm the sickest and, and I'm violently sick and I'm sitting in the bathroom for hours and, and it says to not be afraid of that terror of the night or the arrows during the day, the things that hit me during the day with my life and the things I go through. I don't have to be afraid of any of that. And just that, you know, God is with me and, and I'll be, you know, walking on lions and the serpents and, and so I'll be victorious one day and yes, he's always going to protect me and carry me yes i love the way you just said that that's the power of psalm 91 we will be victorious this is a picture of not just now but what will be i mean it's through the resurrection and the return of jesus christ everything in psalm 91 becomes true you know um, we, we love those moments when we get to experience it now but it will be all that will be and um, i love your testimony to that so Jill, you, this is awesome. Like, we, we have two Jills preaching to us this morning. Like, so that, can we just thank her? Okay, okay. We pray. Father, thank you for Jill. Thank you for the real, living, everyday picture she is to us. Um, not of a battle-free, suffering-free life, but of a life oriented around the hope in Jesus, no matter what. And uh, Lord, thank you for the way that, that she, she ministered to us today. Um, thank you for Jill. Thank you for this sister in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jill. All right. Well, I'm going to invite the band forward. Um, I, I really believe that. I really believe that uh, um, I don't need to say a lot about Psalm 91 because you just saw a lot about Psalm 91, and that's good enough. But, but here's what my, as the team comes forward and we get ready to have a time of communion, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say this. Psalm 91, awesome psalm. A psalm of protection. It's not a psalm implying God is our refuge from suffering and death. Psalm 91 is God saying, I will be your refuge through it. I will be your refuge in it. In, in, in the, the life, death, and resurrection and return of Jesus is God saying through Psalm 91, and that will be the final and ultimate protection of everyone. Um, I'm just going to close with this quote. Uh, I was reading this week about, um, remember the story of Jim Elliott? Jim Elliott was a missionary to Ecuador with some other guys back in the 50s. And, and, and he and his team, they're trying to reach out to this unreached people group. And uh, they're killed. They, they, they're, he, he, Jim Elliott was stabbed through the heart, you know, with a, with a spear from this tribe. 
And uh, Jim Elliott's wife later wrote a book. And, and if you've never read it, I would encourage you to read it because it's, it's based on Psalm 91. The title of the book is The Shadow of the Almighty, which comes right from the beginning of Psalm 91. And in it, she quotes her husband. And I'm going to leave us with this. Jim Elliott, you know, who, who gave his life as, as a missionary to God, he said this about his life. He said, I am immortal until my life, until my work on earth is done. I am immortal until my work on earth is done. If, if, I think this psalm tells us this. If you are a lover of God, if you are under his protection, you are under his protection even in suffering until your work on earth is done. There might be painful chapters along the way, but it's that last chapter, you know, those last chapters of, the, of this book this book that we're devoted to that makes all the rest of the chapters we don't understand make sense someday. Because God said, I'm, 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 there's gonna be a new heaven. There's gonna be a new earth. There'll be no more pain, no more crying, no more death. And it's all gonna make sense in that last chapter. Until then, um, until he's done with us on earth, we live under his protection. And we can claim that and rest in that. So let's, uh, let, let's stand and let's quiet our hearts. And let's just believe that. Let's just believe that there is a day coming. There is a day coming, either when, when we go home or Jesus comes back, when all the suffering that we endure right now, all the pain and the battle and the challenge that, that we experience right here, right now, they will seem like brief birth pangs that get swallowed up in the joy of a new heaven and a new earth. Psalm 91, everything that we read is ultimately literally fulfilled in the resurrection that we look forward to. Jesus' resurrection in return is the promise of what is to come for us in which every phrase of Psalm 91 will be true. So let's live as if it is now.